Hey, tis the season. It's Christmas time. That means all the leftists are coming out and hating Christmas. And I just laugh at all these people. So let's talk about it. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. This is Gene. Welcome back to Dumbasses Talking Politics. I hope you folks had a great day. My day wasn't great yesterday. So, well, it, that's not true. Let's let's look at the positive because the problem with our the problem, especially this time of season, is people aren't very positive. So I went to Costco and I told you I told you right at I, I'm expecting just disaster left and right at Costco. And I, I found it. It was terrible. It was terrible. Got into a fight with some lady who decided who was apparently nuts, and somebody had said that, "Oh, hey, stay away from this broad. She's crazy." And I decided, of course, being the alpha male I am, decided to start problems with this gal because she decided to take one of my my parking spot that I'd been waiting twenty minutes. So I cussed her out, and she cussed me out, and blah blah. And I finally said, "You know what? I I know I could get everything that I wanted to get at this Costco." But I decided, you know what, for my sanity's sake, I was just going to say, okay, I'll go from store to store to store to store. So I ended up going to five different stores, got everything I wanted to get, maybe even got it cheaper. I don't know. Um, And it took me, in my store total yesterday, inside of the stores, may have taken me a half hour. So I probably spent longer in the Costco parking lot than I did in each of the stores. Because I knew, I am that kind of shopper. I never go with Josie shopping. I I refuse. Because Josie will sit there and, I mean, I see this with her when she orders McDonald's, for Christ's sake. She orders the same things at McDonald's. God bless her and everything else. But she orders the same thing at McDonald's, yet it always takes her 30 minutes to get through the menu. Me, I, I know what I want. I know what I'm getting. I walk in. I get it. We're done. There, there's no reason to hem and haw. There's no reason. As a matter of fact, people love dealing with me because they'll walk. A person will walk up. I say, I need this size seven, blah, blah, blah. And they'll run. They'll get it. They'll hand it to me. Let's go pay. If you are on commission and you deal with me, you have made a ton of money in a matter of seconds. And that's exactly what happened. As a matter of fact, most of the time, the reason, like I went to Best Buy yesterday. Well, the reason it took me uh, 15 minutes at Best Buy is because Best Buy doesn't hire employees on Christmas time because nobody is in Best Buy at Christmas time. And I had to wait for the employee to finish a, a customer. And once he finished a customer, I said, I need this and I, I need this and I need this. And then he spent another five, ten minutes looking for what I was asking for. He found it, of course. Went in, paid, I left. End of story. If I had done that instead of waiting in the Costco parking lot, I would have been done my Christmas shopping really early. So, needless to say, I did a good thing. I left Costco. I went to individual stores and supported the individual stores. I know Best Buy is a box store, but whatever. Okay, I bought what I needed to buy. And I felt really good. Sometimes surrendering, and this is what a lot of conservatives do, they'll surrender to the situation and they'll either say, okay, well, it's bad here, so I'll just stay until it ends up good and it will end up good eventually. Or I can read my own mood and say, screw it, I'm just going to go someplace else. And we'll be good to go. And that's exactly what happened. I had a good day. So I'm sitting back, I, I'm going around, I'm driving home, total victory, got everything I needed to get. And then I said to myself, you know, I think I'm going to go take my firearms certification exam. Now, I hate exams. I hate, I don't know why. I'm actually very good at exams because I, I, I have, I, my retention is very good. I memorize things very easily. And the California certification exam, I have an app, and I sit back, I just go over the app. Now, the good news is the app, the questions on the app, were 10 times harder than the actual exam. They were asking you things on the app that I'm, can you put a center fire, can you put a rim fire bullet uh, cartridge into a center fire weapon? Things like that. I mean, 
they're still easy answers, but it's still, these are not things that you would normally, you would have to own a rimfire weapon in order to know not to put, and you wouldn't put any ammo inside of a weapon that that weapon's not made for anyway. So the answer is always no, you don't do that. Just, just a little FYI. They don't ask any of those questions. They asked basically, it was 30 question exam. One of the questions was a little tricky, but it was a little, when the guy said, this question could be little, a little tricky, I said, no, that question's false. I can tell just by the butt there. I mean, that's, that's an incorrect question. He said, okay. So it, the test was very straightforward, very easy. I scored 100%, 30 of 30. Now, I was expecting I'll get one or two wrong. When I went through the first 10 questions, I thought I'll get one or two wrong. Nope, I got 100%. I was thrilled. Little surprise. I really thought I did get two wrong. But I passed that. I'm all happy. I got my little my got my little uh, card. So now I have to register my weapon, and then I can go buy ammunition for it. So that's good. Uh, and then uh, finally I'll be able to go. And then in a while I'll, I'll go out and buy my AR-15 because I want to buy three weapons, an AR-15 and a shotgun. Basically, a shotgun and the AR-15, they're just defense, home defense. So that, so that was good. So that made me a happy person. Okay, you know who's not happy, though? Um, people, leftists during Christmas, they're never happy. Let me give you an example. This will be our dumbass of the day. Now, I think sometimes with Dumbass of the Day, I, I like doing them because sometimes you have those individuals that, I mean, they just say really stupid things. I got to be honest with you. This is my Dumbass of the Day, but what she's saying is not a stupid thing. What she's saying is actually quite sad. This is sad that she thinks this stuff. And I feel sorry, not for her as much. I think she needs mental help. I think she needs to go find a psychiatrist, maybe needs to be put on some drugs. But I feel really sorry for her children because she has this attitude, this Christmas attitude that leftists typically have. And it's all surrounded around her and her misery. And one of the, there's a basic theme about this entire podcast when it comes to Christmas. And we're going to go over that theme at the very end when I read a little something from C.S. Lewis. So let's listen to her and her misery. This is about a minute, maybe two minutes. I'm not sure how long it is. But let's listen to her and really listen critically because I'm going to bring some things up here. It's Christmas time. You're not alone. Girl, where my besties at? I fucking hate Christmas time. You would not know that from my home or from talking to my children, but do I like it? No. Is this the most stressful, miserable fucking time of year? Yes. Do I do Elf on the Shelf? No. I don't do none of that fucking bullshit. I'm not even getting my fucking kids Christmas presents this year, and I'm not even sad about that. Like, genuinely, like, we have... I have such a tight relationship with my kids and we do all kinds of other shit and I'm like, you guys know mommy's just one mommy and there's five of us, but mommy's trying. So, you know, we're going to go on a trip or blah, 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 and we're going to do this and I'm going to spend my money in these ways, right? Would we rather like that or like some shit on one day? Like, you know what I mean? And so they're good. We're good. I'm not sad about that. It's just so hard to keep up with everything. Everybody's... Ugh. It's just hard. I just finished getting the fucking kitchen clean from Thanksgiving. I know that sounds stupid, but like, I'm just... <sighs> Christmas time is hard. Christmas time kind of sucks. And if you feel that way too, you're not alone. Okay, I just want to point something out right off the bat. This is narcissism on fire, okay? She referred to everything for herself. She referred to herself 23 times in that minute and 30-minute video. 
23 times. My money, my kids, my misery, I, I, me, me, my, my, my effing kids. By the way, if you refer to your effing kids, your kids as effing kids, right off the bat, there's an issue. You've got a, you've got a serious issue. And the problem is this narcissism, when everything is, is tough, you know, Josie and I talked about this yesterday, but we didn't talk about it like this. It wasn't in misery. Misery. We hate Christmas when it comes to buying presents. But we're also very focused on, that's what we hate about Christmas, is buying presents. We love the holiday. You should see our apartment right now. It looks like freaking North Pole. We love Christmas. We hate shopping for Christmas. We hate spending the money. Oh, we do hate that. Matter of fact, every year we talk about this. Why are we even doing this? Why do we buy adults presents? It's for the kids. Let's spend the money on the kids. It'll save a lot of money. And they're the only ones that appreciate it anyway. See, we're even different about that. But this is pure narcissism. Who, look, I hate this holiday, blah, blah, blah. And the fact of the matter is, this misery, she brings on to everybody around her. That's the whole thing. Her kids, you know who doesn't hate Christmas? Her kids. But she's too narcissistic to see that. Now, there, there are a couple of other things we can't forget here. This gal, gal obviously is struggling. And that's understandable. Everyone struggles. I mean, there was a Christmas I had nothing to eat. And this was before I was with Josie. This was right after my divorce. There were Christmases I was alone, and that was mostly because of depression. But I never hated Christmas. I hated the situation I was in. And by the way, I couldn't blame anybody for that. I couldn't blame Christmas. That situation I was in, I put myself in. So again, I didn't blame my dad for having a Christmas party that I didn't go to. It wasn't like I wasn't invited. I just didn't go. That's my problem. It's not Christmas's problem. It's not my kid's problem. It's not anybody else's problem. So I understand what she's going through. I understand the struggle. You have three kids, you're a single mom. Very hard. But if you listen to her, I mean, she's crying before the video. So you know this woman is struggling. She's depressed. Maybe that's part of where the narcissism coming from. The problem is the narcissism, the, the narcissism is actually feeding her depression because she's justifying her depression. She's confirming her depression. And then like, an, uh, like every other moron in the world, she's announcing it on TikTok, which is just get off of TikTok. You're depressed. The last thing you need is TikTok. You don't have any besties on TikTok. Get off of TikTok. Especially if you're going to refer to your kids as your effing kids. It makes you look bad. And, and, and it, again, it's an echo chamber. You're on TikTok, you say this, it's just it's confirming everything you think. It's misery. And my final point, and this is what we're going to close with today at the end of this podcast, is she's looking at Christmas as a holiday with Santa Claus and reindeer and snowmen and, and, and trees and all this stuff. That's not Christmas. Christmas is about the birth of Christ. We celebrate the birth. Now, I know a lot of liberals will say, well, we don't even know if Christ was born this time. I know. Okay. Who cares? It's not the point. This is when we celebrate the birth of Christ. There is actually quite a bit of meaning in this, in this holiday. And my wife and I both love this holiday simply because it is about the birth of Christ. And we get to see the kids happy. We don't care about the adults being happy. We could care less if they're happy. We're happy about the kids being happy because it's their favorite time of year too. And that's what should be important. And that's what this broad is missing. And that's the problem with our culture. And by the way, this hasn't been happening. Uh, this didn't happen in the last 10 years. C.S. Lewis wrote a sermon, which I'm going to read at the end, called the Sermon of the Pagans. And he said this was an issue 
80 years ago. So I feel sorry. I hope this gal gets some mental health, the mental help that she needs. Um, unfortunately, it seems like our mental health professionals are just doing nothing but confirming this. So we'll see how it happens. But this is what happens when a agnostic or atheist society runs into a holiday where you're actually supposed to be celebrating something. And we're at a point now in our society, we've forgotten what we're actually celebrating. Okay, so let's go into another way that parents are effing up their kids. Um, here's an awesome story from the creator. And this is a gal who's decided not to celebrate Christmas for, I think, what should be a really obvious reason. She's not going to celebrate Christmas. She's not getting a, a gift. She's not getting uh, a tree. None of her kids are getting gifts. She has three kids. Okay. Her husband and her both, quote, agreed, end quote. I kind of doubt that. I'll give you my opinion about this at the end. Let's read this. This is from the creator. It's about halfway down the article. Now we have another joy of life that progressives are targeting in the name of combating global warming. Christmas gifts. Many progressives have long opposed giving Christmas gifts in the name of combating consumerism. And to be fair, some religious conservatives share the same aesthetic view. But climate change will soon constitute the greater moral reason. Now, first off, leftists talking about consumerism is a joke. Leftists are the most consumer-based individuals in the world. Why? Because they have nothing higher. They have nothing higher. They, most atheists, that's all they believe is consumerism, is satisfy yourself. That is, the, that is the mantra of the atheist. It's the mantra of the satanic temple. That you only have this life. There's nothing past this life. So get all you can. Do all you can. Enjoy everything you want to enjoy. Consumerism is a leftist mantra. The elites, for example, Bill Gates, they can sit there and talk about, uh, talk about climate change. But the reality is climate change is their higher power. It's their religion. See, here, here's the thing. You can get rid of God, okay? You can get rid of God all you want. You're always going to be searching for something greater, some higher power, something more important, something bigger than yourself. This is where the satanic temple fails. This is why the philosophy has never been accepted. This is why Nietzsche's philosophy has never been fully embraced. This is why Sartre's and Camus' philosophy has never been embraced. It has always come back to we need something higher. Now, we're not going to do God because God is whatever. Okay, but we'll do climate change. We'll do abortion. They're always going to find a higher power. And most of the time, and most throughout history, it's always been nature. Okay, even though leftists don't celebrate nature. So climate change is basically honoring nature. And nature is that higher power for these people. So her replacing Christmas with climate change, I'm sorry, that's not a shock. That's just replacing Christmas with nature, which is what the pagans used to do. And they've been doing this for 100 years. This isn't new. The Wiccan religion is based off paganism, based off worship of nature. Continuing with the article, in the Daily Mail this week, a woman wrote an article making this case. Quote, last year, surrounded by wrapping paper and abandoned gifts, I suggested to my husband, Chris, that next time we shouldn't buy anything for each other or the children. Not buying anything for my husband is trivial because he can buy it for himself. But not buying presents for the two girls, age six and three, is a trickier proposition. Well, yeah, it is a trickier proposition because children are innocent. Children like to celebrate, okay? And even if you don't want to buy $800 worth of crap for the kids, buy them something. The Jews did this very well in Hanukkah where they celebrated for seven days and each seven day they got something small every day. And they, they were very happy. 
See, this is the problem with atheism, with agnosticism, with climate, climate, with nature, paganism, is there is nothing. When you get rid of God, there is nothing to celebrate. There is nothing that is good. Continuing with what she said, we're increasingly aware of the global impact of our purchases. Everything we buy the kids will go to the landfill. With the planet on fire and plastics everywhere, it seems like we, were, we are at a moment of reckoning and have been for some time. I forced this rule on my family, telling my mother, in-laws, and brothers and sisters not to buy the girls anything. My sister was appalled and very cross that she will, that she will be thought of as a mean old aunt. Just because I want to strip the joy out of Christmas, why should we, she have to? Great question. Great question, isn't it? Why should you... Some people like giving gifts. I like giving gifts. I give Josie gifts just for no particular reason. I can and I do. It is a selfish thing. It makes me feel good. I'm not doing it because I'm just the nicest guy in the world. I'm doing it because I love her and I see something I like and she does the same thing. Giving sometimes is a selfish endeavor. It is a nice thing to do. You feel good doing it. You like the look on the face. Why would, I, if someone sat there and said, well, why do you do, and people have, why do you do that? Because I, why not? Makes me feel good. I'm not doing it just for her. I'm doing it because I like to do it. So, this woman is stripping the joy from the rest of the family that wants to give the kids something. And she's stripping the joy from the kids. And this is where the narcissism comes into play. It's my way or the highway. You do it as I say. And see, here's the thing. Um, because I want to strip the joy out of Christmas? Yeah, that's exactly what you're doing. And what a miserable person you are. I mean, you don't have any joy giving your kids gifts? Why don't you recycle the gifts? Recycle the paper. Do something. Don't put, it, don't put it in wrapping paper. Don't buy plastic gifts. Get them a little something that isn't going to be thrown away. Or is recycled or whatever BS you people do. But you are literally stripping the joy out of, out of this time of year. And this is the best time of year. How miserable do you have to be? What kind of life are you living where there's just nothing? This is sad. It's, it's very, very sad. But it's not just the families that are doing this crap. It's also the institutions. And they're training the kids to just hate everything that is joyous. This is what the left does. They want us to be like the Soviet Union where there's nothing happy. Everything is ugly. There's no hope. You're going to live, then you're going to die, and you're going to be buried in the earth, and there's nothing. This is the problem with agnosticism, with atheism. It's, it's a terrible, ugly thing. It's a misery. And even if you don't believe in Christ, even if you don't believe in God or religion, have something happy. But these people don't. Their happiness is having 27 abortions. That's sick and it's sad. Well, here's another story where our, ins our schools are getting into it. <coughs> this is according to the Post Millennial. On Friday, bus drivers with the Walling Wallingford Swarthmore School District in Delaware County, Pennsylvania, were informed that they had to remove any Christmas-themed decorations on their buses and were prohibited from wearing clothing referring to any religious holiday. A memo sent to all drivers and aides that was obtained by Fox 29 stated that the district has, quote, been receiving complaints from parents concerning the district's employees displaying Christmas-themed decorations and or wearing clothing of the same nature. End quote. Quote, if you have decorated your bus with anything specific to Christmas, holiday, or any other decorations relating to the specific religion, please remove them immediately. 
In addition, employees are instructed not to wear clothing related to Christmas or any other religious holiday. End quote. The memo notes at the end that the policy is not specific to one department, but that it applies to all district employees. After the memo was, a memo was posted on social media, users slammed the district for its policy. Parental rights advocate Meg Brock asked, did they also tell us not to smile? Not, that, that's not a bad question. That's not a bad question. Because again, inst- this is what's really scary in our, our society. And this is why Donald Trump got elected in 2016 and why there's a very good chance he's going to get elected in 2024. Um, misery. Misery, you're not allowed to be happy. In, the institution is telling you you're not allowed to be happy. Okay? You're, not, you're just not allowed to be happy. Well, you know, hey, this is something you're going to have to fight. I say Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and I'll say Merry Christmas. And I've never had this before. But if someone sat there, well, I'm Jewish, I'd say, well, then Happy Hanukkah. Hanukkah just ended too. So, you know, I, you, you can get around this stuff. Here's a big question I have, speaking of Jewish and Christian and all that other crap. Um, would we do the same thing if we had Ramadan celebrations? If we had Ramadan decorations? Of course not. Of course, Ramadan, uh, Islam is a... I have to I have to say it. It's true though, it's a false religion. And Islam is a religion of misery anyway. Anyone who sits there and says, Oh no, it's not. I know lots of I know lots of Islamist people too. I used to live with them. But the fact of the matter is, it's really kind of a miserable religion. There's no celebration either. Their celebration involves, you know propagating the fact that they're miserable. Women are treated like shit. Let's be honest. If you're gay, you're thrown off a building. That's what makes all this Palestinian thing so weird that you got LGBTQI plus poop emoji cult celebrating the Palestinians and they throw them off a roof. So, you know, okay, keep doing it. And then, of course, the, the institutions are pushing it in uh, now Santa Clauses are not allowed to have kids sit on their laps. And the Santa Clauses, well, they want the kid, uh, parents want the kid to sit on the lap, just like they did when they were kids. And Santas are saying, no, can't do that. It's weird. I mean, my God, we're, we've gone that, I mean, I think some of the Santas are a little weird anyway, but that doesn't bother me that much. But, you know, if a parent wants it, okay, a parent wants it. I know at our mall, there's not even a Santa this year. Okay, so here's another one. Of course, the church is getting weird. Now, this is only a little bit of the church. This isn't like the real church. This is, I I don't know what church this is. It'll be in there. It's an evangelical Lutheran church. So it's not like the Catholic church. But this shows us, I just asked you a question. If Ramadan had decoration, Ramadan decorations, will we remove them? The answer would probably be no. Okay, well, here's an example of, okay, let's bring Ramadan into the Christian religion. According to Fox News, a church in Bethlehem, the biblical birthplace of Jesus, is receiving attention for its decision to redesign its Christmas nativity scene to reflect the impact of the ongoing Israel-Hamas war. Just a few weeks before Christmas, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in Bethlehem, located in West Bank, of course, it's located in the West Bank. That explains why the Lutheran Church is there. It's Palestinian. So right off the bat, you can see why they did this. Unveiled a new display of the nativity scene that shows baby Jesus lying in a manger amid rubble. The imagery symbolizes the destroyed Palestinian communities in Gaza, and the ongoing war between Israel and Hamas terror group, the church official said. Now, I do want to point out, uh, Jesus was Jewish. And the leadership in the West Bank, which is the Palestinian Authority, um, they want to kill all Jews. So, 
any Christian group that is fighting for the Palestinians, I would remind them that they would kill Jesus. They would stone him. They would throw him off a building. If you guys are offended that the Jews killed Jesus, because that seems to be the big thing with with the anti-Jesus crowd. Oh, well, the Jews killed Jesus. The anti-Jew crowd, excuse me. Which is something that Mel Gibson has been pointed out. The Philistines killed Jesus. They were a Jewish sect. So they automatically, everything's all Jews hated Jesus. That's not true. Most Jews see Jesus as a prophet. They just don't see him as a savior. But Jesus was Jewish. The Palestinians hate the Jews. The Palestinians would have killed Jesus. Kind of a problem there. Continuing with the article, quote, Church families met last week and built it together. It was a moving experience for families. During the service on Sunday, some of the people were in tears. You know, the difference is, instead of putting the rubble around Jesus, they would have thrown the rubble at Jesus, they forget. Reverend Dr. Munther Isaac, the church's pastor, told the New Arab. Here's the thing, if this guy, this Dr. Munther Isaac, was actually a Christian, they would have killed him in the West Bank. They would have killed him. Continuing, we are pleased our message has reached the world. This is what Christmas looks like in Palestine this year. The origins of Christmas. No, that's not what it looks like in, in, in Palestine. Pal- There's no Palestine, first off. Uh, this is not what it looks like in um, the West Bank or the Gaza Strip. The Gaza Strip would have killed Jesus. Bethlehem is historically recognized as the birthplace of Jesus and his birth is celebrated by Christians and other Christmas December tw- on December 25th. The nativity scene de- often depicts Jesus as a baby alongside his mother Mary, often regarded as Catholics as a saint, as well as his father Joseph, wise men and the respective gifts, shepherds, angels, and various animals including donkeys and sheep. All right, so... A couple of things they also realized that Jesus was hunted at this time. Jesus was actually hunted by the Romans, who were colonizers. Okay? The Jews were living in Canaan, which they renamed Israel, after all of the extinct tribes were eliminated. And then Rome came in and colonized all of Israel. To basically, the, is, the Romans enslaved the Jews again. So instead of recognizing that, Jesus, there was a death. Don't forget, the babies at the time were all killed. The male babies, because Herod had learned that the Savior had been born, and he killed all the babies. The reasons they were actually in Bethlehem was not only for a, uh, not only for a, census, but also they had to escape the Romans because they would have killed Jesus. This is obviously pure blasphemy. This is what this is. It's pure blasphemy. And it's just incredible, but this is what these people do. That's what leftists do these days. They don't, they, they try and find some parallel between Christianity and Judaism and Islam. And they just did it with this nativity scene. There's no parallel. The religions are completely opposite. They hate each other. As a matter of fact, Islam spends all its time trying to figure out how to kill all the other religions. That's all they do. They've been doing this for thousands of years. The Persians were trying to... Half of, everyone sits there and says, well... The um, uh, well, the Christians, the Catholics especially, were going out and killing all these people back then. The Persians were doing it. The Persians did it for a lot longer. Half of the half of the wars that were between the Catholic Church were between the Persians because the Persians were an empire. They invaded Europe. That's when the Catholics decided, okay, we need to have an Inquisition, which just means war and fight off the Persians, which they did. Half of the Inquisitions were against the Persians. 
The Inquisition of the Children. Read about it. What was that about? It was the children who went out to fight the Persians because they ran out of men. Absolutely incredible. Just people, History is important. I got news for you. History is really important. If you don't understand, if, if someone doesn't understand the Inquisitions and then they use the Inquisitions as the excuse for being an atheist, I my suggestion is read about the Inquisitions. I guarantee you there will be some surprises as to what they were all about. I mean, there were some bad Inquisitions. Don't get me wrong. I mean, there were a lot of people who didn't, there was no freedom of religion back then. I got it. I got it. There was. They, they burned witches. I, they also burned heretics. Anyone who didn't go with the Pope was considered a heretic. I got it. Yes, there were bad, some bad things from the Inquisition. There were also some good things from the Inquisition, including fighting wars to stop the Persians from taking over and eliminating the Christian religion altogether. That's what they wanted to do. You know, that's the whole thing. History is complicated. Some of the Inquisitions were bad. Some of them were good. Some of them were necessary for the survival of the Christian faith. I'm always reminded of what Brad Pitt said in that movie. Oh, what was it called? That movie where they were in the tank. I can't remember what it's called. I'll probably remember when I say this quote, but I'll remember this quote. The quote says, ideology is peaceful. History is violent. We need to start remembering that a little bit. That, yes, you can sit there and say, oh, the Islamists were... No, they weren't. The Islamists were not peaceful. The Africans were not peaceful during the slave trade. This, this did not happen. And people need to, to, to start realizing that, you know, there's complications in history. And nothing is black and white. It's like the Civil War was only about slavery. No, it wasn't only about slavery. There are lots of things that happen in history that have a more complicated outlook than, than anything else. But people want to see the simplistic, and they say, well, they should have done this 300 years ago, like with the Indians. Everyone sits back and, and says the Indians, and I'm going to Christmas in Mexico with an Indian this week, so I can imagine that this is going to be uh, an interesting time. But here's the whole thing. Um, everyone says it was a genocide of the Indians. It wasn't a genocide of the Indians. The Indians started a war. It started in New York when the Americans bought when the Americans bought New York from the Indians, bought it. They gave them horses, they gave them the wheel, they gave them medicine, they gave them liquor, they gave them guns. They gave the Indians things that made their lives easier, and then the Indians wanted New York back. And the Americans said, no, we're not giving you the... And then they started a war. Everyone says, oh, well, 90% of the Indians were killed during the war. Yes, 30% of the colonists were killed by the Indians. That, that you know, scalping thing didn't come from, uh, didn't come from the, the colonists. That was something the Indians did as trophies when they defeated the white man during wars. Okay, well, here we go. This is another interesting article. I'm probably going to run a little long because I do want to get to this because this is the epitome, and I'm sure you've heard this, but this is the epitome of how the left sees Christmas. According to Forbes, over the past few years, the Supreme Court has steadily has been steadily busting holes in the wall between church and state, particularly where that wall runs past the schoolyard. Now a flap over the, a satanic display in Iowa Capitol shows the dangers that arise when the wall is destroyed. So, in other words, this guy is defending the satanic display in the Iowa Capitol. Defending it. Continuing, the Iowa Capitol accepts displays from, from the public during the holiday season. So the Satanic Temple of Iowa accepted the invitation to set up the altar. People were upset. They, didn't invite, they weren't invited. Nope, they weren't invited. So you can already tell this article is complete bullshit. They, were, they, they petitioned for it. And the city didn't, the, the state capital didn't want to do it, but they didn't feel they had a choice. But proposed solutions are a reminder of why the wall was there in the first place. 
Representative Brad Sherman wants to see clarifying legislation to be adopted that will make it clear that satanic displays are prohibited in the Capitol and other state-owned property. He would also like to see legislation adopted to make it legal to display the Ten Commandments in the government buildings and the public schools. Here's the thing. Um, There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing. Here, here's the deal. You can sit there and, disgrace, uh, and, and exclaim that this is a Judeo-Christian society without specifically making Judeo-Christian religions the main religions. You can have that wall of separation. Satanism, by the way, is not a, it's not a religion. Satanism is pure nihilism. They don't believe in God. They don't be, the, Church of, uh, the, Church of Satan, the Church of Satan and the Satanic Temple do not believe in God, but they also don't believe in Satan. All their, quote, rituals, end quote, are just a mockery of the church. This display in Iowa is just a mockery of Christianity. That's all it is. It's not a religious display. And I think that's what needs to be put in. That's what needs to be said. And that's not, by the way, that display in Iowa was destroyed. Somebody walked in and just destroyed the display. It was completely unsalvageable, according to the Satanic Temple. The guy was arrested and given a misdemeanor for mayhem. Well, I got news for you. Good for you. Everyone says, well, this is a riot. Blah, blah. No, that was a protest. That was a peaceful protest. And it was a peaceful protest against something that is, is, is evil. It's blasphemous. Why does the satanic, satanic temple do, do all this shit during the Christmas season? They always do it during the Christmas season because it's blasphemous against Christianity. It's anti-Christianity. And it's not satanic. It's humanist. It's nihilist. It has nothing to do with Satan. I mean, it's evil. It's satanic. It's evil. But it's not meant to be evil. It's meant to say, F Christianity. That's it. F the Jews. That's it. That's why the satanic temple supports abortion. Hey, if you're on the side of the satanic temple with abortion, uh, to the point the satanic temple has an abortion clinic, if you're on the side of the satanic temple, you really need to question your ideology. But here's the thing. People are not questioning their ideologies. They think it's good. They're actually on the side of the satanic temple and they're celebrating it. They're defending the satanic temple because they hate Christianity. And then you wonder why women like we had in our dumbass of the day are just suffering because there's no higher power. There's only climate and abortion and all those things go out to take away Climate change is not there to give you anything. It's there to take it away. It takes away Christmas. It takes away all that makes life easier. It's not there to make life better. It doesn't make you happier. Celebrating a higher power. You, you don't go to church. Okay, whatever. Most atheists are not atheists. They're agnostics. Oh, I've never met God. So, God's never talked to me. I say two things to them. You're right. Maybe you've never shaken the hands. Maybe you have and you just didn't know about it. Maybe you've never shaken the hand of God. Maybe you've never had a, a conversation with some guy named God. Maybe. And that's a, that's a valid argument. That is a, I'm sorry, it is a valid argument. But I got news for you. That do, hey, that doesn't mean God doesn't exist. And I can scientifically prove there's probably a very good chance God exists. But that doesn't make you an atheist. That makes you an agnostic. You don't know if God exists. Okay, well, that's a good reason. You don't know God exists. I, I could sit there and say, well, free will and a moral base that all human beings have, whether they believe in God or not, is kind of proof there is a God. The fact that my dog is very different than me proves that, you know, we we are made differently. Free will is a is an instinct that has no brain function within the body, but that need to for free speech to be able to see a higher power, even the concept of death, 
makes us special compared to the animals. But it, that, that doesn't make you an agnostic. And I can prove, and when I talk about God, when it comes to that, they, they sit there and uh, begin to waver, which makes them more agnostic than, than atheist. And the true atheist, the true guy that hates God, and I mean hates God, they don't just don't believe he exists. They actually hate God. That will come out when you start debating them. They will either say God, I, God is a terrible person, blah, 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 or they will simply say, I mean, they will speak over you. They won't listen to you at all. That's what they do. They will either say they hate God, which makes them an agnostic at best, or a real Satanist, or they won't even listen to you. And they'll talk over you. And I've had enough. I've had enough uh, disagreements with atheists about that anyway. So, so C.S. Lewis wrote a eighty years ago. Eighty years ago, he wrote about the deterioration of Judeo-Christian philosophy, and he wrote that this was a very bad thing. So let's read his his article because a bunch of people wrote this sermon, read this sermon. I think it's really important because what's happening today, he predicted 80 years ago. He saw it 80 years ago. So let's read this. When I was asked to write a Christmas sermon for pagans, I accepted the job lightheartedly enough. But now that I sit down and tackle it, I discover a difficulty. Are there any pagans in England for me to write to? I know that people keep telling us that this is, country is lapsing into paganism but they only mean that it is ceasing to be Christian. And is that all the same thing? Let's not forget, paganism is still a religion. They just believe in nature. Let us remember what a pagan or heathen, I use the words interchangeably, really was. A heathen was a man who lived on the heath, out in the wilds. A pagan was a man who lived in a pagus, a small village. Both words, in fact, mean rustic or yokel. They date from the time when the larger towns of the Roman Empire were already christened, but the old nature religion still lingered in the country. Pagans or heathens were the backward people in the remote districts who had not yet been converted, who were still pre-Christian. To say that modern people who have drifted away from Christianity are pagans is to suggest that post-Christian man is the same as pre-Christian man. But that is like thinking that a woman who lost her husband is the same sort of person as the unmarried girl, or that the street where the houses have been knocked down is the same as the field where no houses had been built. The ruined street and the unbuilt field are alike in one respect, namely that neither will keep you dry if it rains, but they are different in every other respect, rubble, dust, broken bottles, old bedsteads, the stray cats are very different from grass, thyme, clover, buttercups, and the lark singing overhead. In other words, the destruction of Christianity is just that. It's destruction. And it's, it leaves the same remnants as whenever you destroy something. The real pagan differed from the post-Christian in the following ways. Firstly, he was religious. From the Christian point of view, he was indeed too religious by half. He was full of reverence. For him, the earth was holy, the woods and waters were alive. His agriculture was the ritual as well as a technique. And secondly, he believed in what he, we now call, quote, an objective right and wrong, end quote. That is, he thought the distinction between pious and impious acts was something that existed independently of human opinions, something like the manipulation multiplication table, which man had not invented, but had found to be true, and which he had better take notice of. The gods would punish him if he did not. Sounds a lot like uh, climate change theory, doesn't it? It's got to sound a little bit like climate change. Climate change destroys... It doesn't create. Well, when you, when you love nature before you were Christian, there was no growth. It was like an empty field. Now, the anti-Christians, all they're doing is destroying. Get rid of uh, abortion is okay. Transing the kids is okay. 
um, taking away your refrigerator, your stove, taking away your electricity, all that is okay. It just destroys. That's what he's saying. When we go back, we're actually trying to destroy for nature's sake. To be sure, by Christian standards, his list of right and wrong acts was rather a muddled one. He thought, and the Christians agreed, that the gods would punish him for setting the dogs on a beggar who came to his door or for striking his father. But he also thought they would punish him for turning his face to the wrong point of the compass when he was began plowing. Though this code included some fantastic sins and duties, it got in, mo it got in most of the real ones. So even the non-Christians believe there was a right and wrong. Today's world, we don't see right and wrong. There is no right and wrong. We have to destroy that because a lot of it can be seen as Christian because Christianity just accentuated it. I will disagree with something with him a little bit here. Um, uh, nature doesn't care. Nature is not something, you did what you did, like tilling the ground, not because there was right and wrong or morality in it, you did it because nature does what nature does. If you don't plant the seeds correctly, nothing will grow. Nature doesn't care. There is no morality in nature. That's the one thing I think he brings up that I kind of disagree with. Okay, let's continue. This leads us to the third great difference between a pagan and the post-Christian man. Believing in the real right and wrong means finding out that you are not very good. The pagan code may have been, to, on some points, a low one, but it was too high for the pagan to live up to. Hence, a pagan, though in many ways merrier than a modern, has had a deep sadness. When he asked himself what was wrong with the world, he did not immediately reply the social system our allies, or our education. It occurred to him that he, himself, might be one of the things that was wrong with the world. And you see this a lot in, in, in modern atheism, agnosticism. You see this a, mo a lot in modern culture. It is people that are bad. That's why abortion is supported. That's why sterilizing kids are supported. That's why you have Malthusianism where they say, well, those that are starving, let them starve because we can't save them anyway. And they're hurting the environment. That's why killing cows is okay. Killing cows is okay to save the climate. You're honoring, that's the sacrifice that the climate activists, cultists are willing to make. He knew he had sinned. And the terrible thing was he thought the gods made no difference between voluntary and involuntary sins. You might get into their bad books by mere accident. And once in, and once in it is very hard to get out. The pagan dealt with the situation in a rather silly way. His religion was a mass of ceremonies, sacrifices, purifications, etc., which were supposed to take away the guilt, but never quite succeeded. His conscience was not at ease. And why is that? Because paganism, paganism worshipped nature, and nature has no morality. It doesn't care. Nature's just there. Nature it does, isn't a thinking human being. Nature doesn't rationalize anything. Nature just is. God tried to say that in Genesis. Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Leviticus. He kept saying, don't worship these gods. They're not there for you. I am there for you. Now, uh, let's see. Now the post-Christian view, which is gradually coming into existence, it is completely already in, in some people and still incomplete in others, is quite different. According to it, nature is not a living thing to be revered. It is the kind of machine for us to exploit. There is no objective right or wrong. Each race or class can invent its own code or ideology just as it pleases. And whatever may be amiss with the world, it is certainly not we, the ordinary people, it is up to God. If, after all, he should happen to exist or to government or to education to give us what we want, we are the shop, we are the consumer, and the customer is always right. Um, I'm not sure I, I buy a lot of this. Nature, I think that we do have 
to worry about nature. We do have to take care of nature. We have to do what nature wants. If not, nature will just destroy us. So I'm not really sure of that. I think there is a moral way of treating nature. For example, beating animals or killing animals or eating any type of animal like dog, this is not something, this is internal to us too. You don't know, very. it is a sick person that goes out of their way to hurt an animal. Well, according to him, um, it's not bad to hurt an animal. I don't agree with that. And I think he probably doesn't either, and maybe I might be misreading this. But no, nature is important. We still need to take care of it. But it isn't it. And we need to take care of it because it will destroy us if we don't. If you don't take care of the soil that you plant your grains, the soil will not be no longer will not have any um, nutrients that plants need and it will no longer grow. The dust bowl proves that. I think science has shown us that there are ways to do things and that nature that will go with nature. We still have to live in this environment, is what I'm basically saying. So I don't necessarily agree with this, but then again, that might be a misreading. Now, if the post-Christian view is correct, one is a correct one, then we have indeed woken from a nightmare. The old fear, the old reverence, the old restraints. How delightful to, be, to have woken up into freedom, to be responsible to no one to be utterly and absolutely our own masters. We have, of course, lost some fun, a universe of colorless electrons, which is presently going to run down and annihilate all organic life everywhere and forever, is perhaps a little dreary compared to the Mother Earth and Sky Father, the wood nymphs and the water nymphs, Chase Diana riding the night sky and the homely Vesta flickering on the hearth. But one can't have everything, and there are always the flicks and the radio. If the new view is correct, it is a very it has very solid advantages. Now, what he did point out here was correct. Um, it's a very sterile view, and that's the whole thing. There is no joy. I mean, you're not completely unhappy, but there is no joy. There's nothing but this life, and that's it. And one of the things I disagree with him here again is we're the masters of the universe is a good thing. That's not a good thing because then it just, it, immorality is justified. Murder is justified. Stealing is justified because after all, me as an individual is the master of the universe and I have complete freedom. Why have morality? This is a problem. Of course, he actually means that. That's what he means. He means we're masters of the universe. Yeah, everything's great. Well, that's not what he means. He means that that that's he takes kind of, and I know because I've read his books, he takes a Nietzschean look at that where things are not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But it is, and if so, why are things not going better? What do you make of the present threat of world famine? We know now it is not entirely due to war. From country after country comes the same story of failing harvests. Even the whales have less oil. Can it be that nature, or something behind nature, is not simply a machine that can we can do what we like with, that she is hitting back, wave the point. Suppose she is only a machine, that we are free to master her at our pleasure. Have you not begun to see the man's conquest of nature is really man's conquest of man? That every power wrested from nature is used by some men over other men? Men are the victims, not the conquerors in the struggle. Each new victory over nature yields new means of propaganda to enslave them, new weapons to kill them, new power for, state, for the state, and new weakness for citizens new contraceptives to keep man from being born at all. Now, what he's talking about specifically here is communism. He's talking specifically that state becomes God and these disasters that we experience, like the disasters we experience now, are actually reasons for mortal realms to take control. That the only, that if we give up this stuff, to the government, to the state. The state will have conquered. Man conquers man. And that's what he's talking about. As for ideologies, does no one see the catch? 
If there is no wrong and right, nothing good or bad in itself, none of these ideologies can be better or worse than the other. For a better moral code, can one mean one which comes nearer to some real or absolute code? One map of New York can be better than another only if there is a real New York for it to be truer. If there is no objective standard, then our choice between one ideology and another becomes a matter of arbitrary taste. Our battle for democratic ideals against Nazi ideals has been a waste of time because the one is no better than the other, nor can there ever be any improve, real improvement or deterioration. It is there, if there is no real goal, we can't get any nearer to it or farther from it. In fact, there's no real reason for doing anything at all. This is what I was talking about when we talked about the Satanic Temple. Standards. We're allowed to have standards. There is a standard. There are abs. It's the same with abortion. When we are argue abortion, is a baby actual baby at conception? Well, there is an absolute truth, and this is where the left fails. They muddle the truth. They are basically saying there is your truth. There is no absolute truth. And what Lewis is saying here is that when you don't have absolute truth, there is no right or wrong. And that means the Nazis are no better than the Americans. The communists are no better than the capitalists. And this is a problem. And this is a problem with their entire argument. The left keeps saying that there is no absolute truth and capitalism is evil. Well, how can you say that if there's no absolute truth? I, capitalism can't be absolutely evil. It looks to me, neighbors, as though we shall set we shall have to set about becoming true pagans, if only as a preliminary to becoming Christians. I don't mean that we should begin leaving little bits of bread under the tree at the end of the garden as an offering to the dryad. I don't mean that we should dance to Dionysus across the Hampstead Heath, though perhaps a little more solemn or ecstatic gaiety and a little less commercialized amusement might make our holidays better than they are now. I don't even mean, and see, that, and that's important too. The gal in the beginning, the gal, com, consumerism. Christmas has become consumer, uh, consumer-based. Maybe that we can pull back a little bit from that. I agree. And that's where that lady in the beginning and the dumbass of the day is right. Maybe we should pull back a little bit from that. I don't even mean, though I do very much wish, that we should recover the sympathy with nature, that religious attitude to family, that the appetite for beauty which the pa better pagans had. I don't agree with that. I don't think pagans had much for beauty at all anyway. Well, yes and no. I mean, they did celebrate beauty. Uh, all of Rome, the Roman architecture pretty much showed that. But Rome wasn't always pagan. They were kind of in between. So not necessarily. Perhaps what I do mean is best put like this. If the modern post-Christian view is wrong, and every day I find it harder to think it is right, then there are three kinds of people in the world. One, those people are, who are sick and don't know it, the post-Christians. Two, those people who are sick and know it, the pagans. And three, the people who have found the cure. In other words, the, the people who have found absolute truth and believe in absolute truth. Okay, now they may not be pagans, they may not be even great Christians, but they found inner peace. That's what he's basically talking about. And by the way, here's the problem with the pagans, and here's the problem with the, the neo, well, the neo-Christians, the, the, the post-Christians. Um, they're trying to suppress our internal happiness. That's a bad thing. Leave us alone. Matter of fact, that's how we've lived our entire lives. Just leave us alone. But now they're trying to force... They're putting, they're putting people who are against abortion in jail right now. Simply because they say abortion is unholy. And it is. Abortion is evil. And it is. We should have the right to say that. But now they're sticking people in jail over that. Okay, two more paragraphs and we're done. I know I'm running really late, but that's okay. And if you start in the class, first class, you must go through the second to reach the third. For in a sense, all Christianity adds to paganism is the cure. It, conf 
It confirms the old belief that in this universe we are up we are up against living power, that there is a real right, and that we have failed to obey it, that existence is beautiful and terrifying. In other words, there is an absolute truth, and the absolute truth may not be what we like. It adds wonder of all paganism had not distinctly heard. that the Mighty One has come down to help us, to remove our guilt, to reconcile us, talking about Jesus, all over the world, even in Japan, even in Russia, men and women will meet on on December 25th to do a very old-fashioned and very pagan thing, to sing and feast, because God has been born. You are uncertain whether it is more than a myth. Well, if it is only a myth, then our last hope is gone. But is the opposite explanation not worth trying? Who knows? But that here, and here alone, lies on your way back. Not only to heaven, but to earth too, and to the great human family whose oldest hopes are confirmed by the story that does not die. Okay, and this is a great point. The great point is, what do you gain What do you gain by not being a Christian? Or what do you gain by at least not looking into it? I mean, it's a little bit of a conversion therapy there. I, I got it. But the fact is, what even the pagans he saw as better than the post-Christians. Because the post-Christians have nothing. Zero. They don't believe anything. They, they don't believe in morality. Even though they say, the second they're threatened, they say, morally you can't do that. But they don't believe and they destroy. They're leaving a battleground of what the truth is. So if a Christian sits there and says, well, the truth, blah, 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 maybe investigate it a little bit. Maybe it won't lead to so much misery, which is what all the entire podcast today was about, was just atheistic, agnostic misery. I hope you guys have a great Christmas. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. I'll talk to you in a week and a half. This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics.